and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we preview the Olympics and hear from England Golf CEO Jeremy Tomlinson on the new iGolf non-member handicap scheme. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball on the PJ Tour, with 30 victories so far in the 2020-2021 season. For more information, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Todd Clark and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. Yeah, doing very well, thanks. You all right? Yeah, good. Did you play golf for the weekend? Yeah, I did. Did you? I did not. No, uh, yeah, I played and um, yeah, really, uh, really good fun. Weather was okay, even though the forecast was pretty bad after that amazing week we had just sat in front of computers in the office. And yeah, it was, it was amazing to have rakes back and um, took the flags out, which was awesome. So yeah, literally all the bunkers at my club were looking absolutely pristine after months and months of just footprints everywhere and you know how it's been looking. So um yeah, really good to have golf back to, to sort of how it was. Uh, feels like COVID just doesn't exist anymore, even though obviously we, we know that it does. And uh, yeah, I played with my girlfriend. She shot 108, which uh, I was very impressed with because obviously she only started in August last year, so hasn't even been playing for a year yet and, and shot 38 over par, which um, yeah, it was very good. She won the skins. We played a little three big match because she was playing off 45. Um, so yeah, she's getting a little handicap cut now. So. Uh, yeah, good fun. Great stuff. Well done, her. That's brilliant. Really progressing. That's great to hear. So we're going to be talking to Jeremy Tomlinson uh, a little bit later on. Uh, we're going to hear your interview that you did with him. So he's going to be talking about the non-member handicap scheme. So is your girlfriend a member of a golf course at the moment, or is she going to be going and doing that? She's a member of a golf club now. So, uh, yeah, she's um, ready to get an official handicap that way. Uh, I think you've got to play with a member who also has a World Handicap System index. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's brilliant. Oh, she's doing very well, isn't she? I mean, I'm I'm very excited about I've signed up to this iGolf thing as well. So um, uh, although I haven't actually played golf since I've signed up. Uh, and as you say, it's amazing how we had incredible weather all week. It was red hot. And then we got to the weekend and there was all kinds of storms about and flooding. I mean, we got quite lucky. We missed most of it this year. But um I know some other parts of the country were really badly affected. So it is a little bit frustrating, but it's uh, the weather in England, isn't it? So um, there's not much we can do about that. But I'm really interested to hear about, you know, the flags being able to be used again. And I know you're getting very excited about raking bunkers. I think you're just going to, into too many bunkers, I think, Elliot. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It, it does feel a bit normal, doesn't it? Since the restrictions have, have relaxed again, I think we've got to make sure that everybody's still uh, being careful, there, haven't we? Yeah, of course. Uh, which i don't know if we are to be honest uh you know our club was very busy at the weekend it was captain's day uh, i'm sure a lot of clubs up and down the country have had club championships or societies or whatever and the patio was very full uh, so normally we would have had like maybe six or seven tables out and now it was like fully 10 or 12 and just um yeah just completely back to normal which was which was very nice i know a lot of people have been vaccinated and obviously this isn't a uh COVID or political podcast, but it's good fun anyway to, to have everybody, you know, back doing what we used to do, I guess. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's restrictions do allow that, don't they now? So uh, I think people just got to be careful and be wary because there's obviously a lot, a lot of it about still. And um, uh, we don't want to go back into lockdown, do we? We don't want to, we don't want to go backwards from here. You know, if, especially if you've had a nice, enjoyable weekend, you know, you've got to be careful having you out there. It's been horrible having golf courses locked down, other sport locked down. It's been rubbish, hasn't it? So um, some clubs haven't been able to um, survive it. So let's let's do things right because we don't want to go in it again, do we? So um, let's, let's hope that happens. But um, so so, it, so with those restrictions now kind of like ending, mainly for golf, is there anything that you think, oh, actually, you know what? I preferred it, how we had it. Uh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um I definitely preferred pre-COVID how not, you know, completely rammed the golf club was. I mean, like the, the online tea booking stuff is great now and 
I think maybe that's something that you can say is really good. Uh, but then on the other hand, it was nice just turning up at the club without tea time and just going out. It, obviously, you know, there's two million extra golfers or something ridiculous like that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely different times. And I guess it, it's never going to go back to how it was because of, you know, how well the game's doing right now. Yeah, I think it, well, we don't know how things are going to happen in a, what they're going to be like in a month or so, you know, whether people, uh, maybe it's a bit of a rush because people think, oh, we can go out and play and do everything that we, we used to be able to do. So uh, I think look out for it. But um, so was your, was your raking technique, was it was it decent? Yeah, it's on point. Um, getting those bunkers looking very, very nice. And, uh, you know, I actually quite like bunker shots, especially when they're, you know, nice and flat and raked and not in a footprint or... You know, it's good that we don't have to move it six inches now because I always felt that I was cheating a little bit when I did that. So, um, yeah, we're playing tomorrow, aren't we? We are. We are playing tomorrow. I was just saying about the bunker. I mean, bunkers are it's interesting. I think for some people said, oh, without raking them, actually, they're more of a penalty area, aren't they? But oh, I hate that. I know, yeah, I know you do. I know you do. But yeah, I, think, I know you're not going to be agree with that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is nice to have to be able to do things how we used to do things um, and let's hope we can keep it. And as you say, we are playing golf tomorrow. We're playing, we've got a team day presentation and then we're playing golf at West Hill, which obviously we play golf at West Hill quite often. We're playing a, a scramble, aren't we, Elliot? Yeah, so we won't be able to get one of your World Handicap System rounds in, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, it should be good fun. I, I do like a scramble. It doesn't really matter how you play, does it? It's just sort of just playing golf for fun, which is, yeah, awesome. We're yeah. a great course as well. Yeah, exactly. So it should be a good laugh. So uh, looking very much forward to that. Uh, hopefully you play better. Well, depending if you're on my team or not. If you're if you aren't on my team, I hope you play as badly as you did the last time that we played at West Hill. But uh, <laughs> uh, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Scram. I'm quite a dangerous scramble player, Elliot. As you know. I'm, Are you? Yeah, quite a dangerous. Because obviously my handicap, although I don't have an official handicap, helps the team, and then I can uh, every now and then do something absolutely mental and. Uh, get loads of points so um yeah i look forward to it oh yeah that's the thing isn't it you don't even really need to hit a golf shot to, to win i guess you need to hit five drives don't you but obviously you were part of that famous 59 team at princes a couple of years ago where that i can't one. imagine that many of your shots were used that day oh do you know what Every, well no, i think i actually sunk quite a few putts if i remember rightly on that day <laughs> but that was um yeah we played very well that day well i didn't <laughs> but I didn't need to. I only had to play well every now and then. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's good fun, isn't it? Scramble. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see how it goes. But uh, oh, sorry, on the subject of princes, did you see Colin Morikawa's stay at the Prince's Lodge and um, the Moretti going into the Claret Jug? I did see it. Yes, uh, and the lodge which we we've had a Christmas party there before, haven't we? And yeah. um, it's brilliant there. It's really good. Love love it there. They, they look after you very well. Nice bar and really good food and everything and uh it was great to see the clout jug was there and being uh being filled and then emptied quite quickly so uh yeah it looked like he had a good fun there didn't he yeah quite a lot of people in the comments were saying that you can't put lager in the claret jug and i was like surely that's like one of the best things you can put in it i think well you could put if you want it you can do what you bloody want can't you so uh shane lowry put about 29 pints of guinness in it didn't he so um i, I would assume yeah you know, if you've won it, it's up to you, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's just people being a bit uh, over the top. I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll he'll be on his mantelpiece somewhere now, and he'll get it out for special occasions. So, uh, you know, that's good. What would you? What would be your first drink that you put in, it, Elliot? Well, uh, I would probably go for Birra Moretti, like Colin Morikawa, actually, or potentially a nice IPA, one of those two. I, I wouldn't put wine or or whiskey or anything hardcore like that. Just go for you know a nice little session drink. Not sure wine's that hardcore, is it? And it is a claret jug, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have a cup of tea out of it or something like that. But um, yeah, well, f fair play to Colin, and um, it's obviously you know it's been another week um, since that open, and it was oh such a great performance, wasn't it? Really good open. Really looking back at it, it was a very enjoyable tournament to watch. And we've got, of course, the Olympics coming up in the next week, and we're going to preview. Uh, the men's Olympics um, tournament, which starts this coming Thursday, a little bit later on. Uh, but as uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, Elliot caught up with England golf CEO Jeremy Tomlinson on iGolf and how the game is coping during the pandemic. So there's 20 minutes or so of uh, Elliot talking to, to Jeremy. So uh, should be a really good interview, yeah, Elliot? Yeah, fascinating. Uh, hopefully 
a lot of you guys listened to Jeremy last year when we spoke to him in the height of the pandemic. And um, yeah, here, here he talks about the new iGolf system, what went into it, because obviously a lot of work went into it and um, where the game of golf kind of is now. Now we're uh, 18 months into this uh, crazy times, I guess. Brilliant. So here's Elliot talking to Jeremy. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Um, firstly, are you playing golf in uh, this lovely weather at the moment? Well, I would like to say that I'm playing golf, but unfortunately, uh, having worked at the Open last week, I then returned and was pinged over the weekend. So um, I've gone from, with Monday supposedly being Freedom Day, it's still lockdown day for me, unfortunately, until next week. Oh, sorry to hear that. That's a nightmare. It's, it's a bit too hot to play golf at the moment anyway. It's, uh, well, I'm not going to say that because I love going out at any point, but... Uh, but it would be, um, it, it, it is lovely and warm, isn't it? But uh, unfortunately, as we both know, it comes to an end, doesn't it? With uh, with thunderstorms at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, just as I'm about to play. But um, anyway, so we'll talk about iGolf, the new non-member handicap scheme that you've recently launched. Uh, obviously, we saw the working groups come out every month, basically, for, from the start of the year. And it seems like an awful lot has gone into it. So yeah, how pleased are you to, to finally launch iGolf? Um, amazingly pleased to be honest and, and, and as you said there to come from where we were in November, December when working with, with all the counties across England you know, we made the decision that we wanted to move forward with this um, with the platform to reach out to independent golfers the last uh, six months have just been incredible really we've worked in collaboration with those um, with those counties and uh, their representatives and uh, and of course i've had an incredible head of department project manager in claire hobson who has, has put it all together i would conservatively say in excess of 1250 hours of work have gone into producing the platform that that we uh, we've named and launched as iGolf, uh, as our digital community and uh, just amazingly proud with regards to where we are and and uh, because it is historical it, it's it's a real move forward for our game and certainly a real move forward for England golf with regards to trying to take more care of our sport and, uh, you know, certainly uh, looking to the future and trying to inspire as many people as possible to stay connected with it. Yeah, and for those who don't know, can you just quickly explain what it exactly is? Yeah, for sure. Well, what, what iGolf does is, is give uh, any golfer the opportunity to... Uh, to obtain a WHS handicap index. Okay, now handicaps are uh, renowned for those who like to play the game. It is your measurement of, of your ability. So uh, iGolf is a basically an app that um, allows you to subscribe and uh, and then attain a measurement of your ability, which is your, would be your WHS index, as well as some um, uh, personal liability insurance to make sure that... Um, that you are anybody else who's protected should should uh, there be an accident on the golf course certainly financially anyway yeah and um some people might say well there's been apps around for ages that you can get a handicap on so um how does this differ from those great question and um this is the first time that you'll be able to get an official handicap that's worked out in the proper way if you like the official way there are other offerings that are out there, and um, I'm certainly going to not talk down about those commercial offerings, but they're just not an official handicap. They're not worked out. Um, there is only one calculation hub in England, and that is uh, our calculation hub. And what iGolf enables golfers to do, independent golfers to do now, is is something that was only ever open to uh, to members for um, uh, for, the, for the whole of the past. Um, so that now gives them that opportunity to have an official handicap that works hand-in-hand uh, hand with, obviously, the course ratings and uh, gives you that index to then give you a playing uh, handicap for, for when you go to, to play any golf course that you wish. Yeah, and helps people get into open competitions and stuff. And I'm sure, obviously, it's been targeted at the beginners and the, uh, the casual golfers, but I'm sure a lot of hardcore golfers that don't really have the time to justify full membership, probably are very interested in this as well, in, in that sense of playing in Opens. Um, yeah, I would actually challenge you back, Elliot, on that and just say, you know, we're, we're, we're targeting this at a fairly large demographic. 
uh, certainly not just at beginners or, or people returning to the game, you, you know, or, or uh, part-time golfers. You know, we, we're targeting avid golfers here um, who, through their own set of circumstances, um, either can't become a member of a golf club, don't want to become a member of a golf club, or, or can't afford to become a member of a golf club. You know, we're targeting anybody of, of any age, um, and it's certainly a, a, any gender and any ethnicity. We really have this is open to anybody who just loves playing golf. Um, and, and we believe that, you know, this is going to provide them with a great opportunity to, uh, to garner a, 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 an ability to measure how good they are. And, and obviously with that comes the desire to obviously want to get better once you've worked out how to utilise the app, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've read that there are 2.3 million nomadic golfers in England. Is that right? And um, how many are you hoping to, to get signed up? Uh, yeah, anywhere between, obviously, trying to trying to get those exact numbers is always difficult. But we, uh, uh, throughout, throughout our surveys and research, we believe there to be somewhere between 2 to 2.3 million uh, independent golfers that, that, that are out there. Um, what we're trying to do is we're acting with prudency because this is the first time that we've that we've done this in our history. So we're conservatively looking to to grow our subscription base by um, uh, in excess of twenty five thousand independent golfers per annum for the next five years. So we would like to see for us the success for us. We would uh, like there to be in excess of one hundred twenty five thousand golfers that will be utilising our independent golfer iGolf platform. Um, in five years' time. Oh, nice. And you're obviously very confident that this won't lead to people cancelling their memberships and, and actually it might even lead to more people becoming members. Well, that's, that is the desire. Um, when you uh, work out why people become, and again, through our own research, you know, people don't become members of golf clubs just to get a handicap. There are many more reasons whether it be from a competitive nature, from a social basis, from a, onto a feeling of belonging and, and, a, and a pride uh, uh, and, and proudness of being part of a, of a club. There are many reasons why people would choose to be a member of a golf club. Um, but obviously what we're, what we're trying to do here is, is to create the succession line uh, for new members. And um, we, we want to encourage independent golfers to not only get out there and play more, but if the, the more they play, the more competitive they get. And we know the more competitive people get, the more likelihood there is of becoming a member. Um, so to start with, it may be once they've got their handicap, there will be many clubs I, I know that uh, are going to want to welcome those independent golfers to come and play in their open events. And uh, there are there will even be some, some clubs that will ask uh, or, or uh, in, invite independent golfers to come and play in their, their monthly uh, medals and then their club competitions. Yeah, that's fantastic. And yeah, congratulations on iGolf. It's obviously first of its kind and yeah, very exciting and, and very exciting times for England uh, as a country in terms of golf. I mean, the, the numbers last year were absolutely phenomenal from the pandemic. And um, just how's that been for, from your side? You're absolutely right. Um, participation... There are two numbers in golf that are really important. One is participation. The other one is membership. Um, despite what, what many um, reports have suggested, I don't believe that participation in golf has been, has been under threat that much throughout the past 10 years, for example, whereas membership, for whatever reason, had been on the decline. Um, what the pandemic has done is not only created a resurgence in participation numbers, or, or, or certainly an increase in, in participation numbers, it has increased the value of playing rights, uh, i.e. becoming a member of a golf club, which has driven to, uh, to so many uh, golf clubs now um, having waiting lists because they, they are at capacity. Um, an average number would be in excess of 80 new members uh, for a golf club, for, for the ones that we have, uh, certainly the ones that we have surveyed up and down uh, England. Yeah, my, my club's got a waiting list of 80 people at the moment, which is just unreal. And um, Do you think we're at maximum capacity now? <laughs> because all these clubs have these waiting lists. I don't know if the bubble's going to burst or not, but um, it must seem like there's almost not enough golf clubs for people at the moment. I don't think that's the case. I don't believe that we're at capacity. I think there are a lot of golf clubs that are full, um, but, but we do still have a lot of golf clubs. And I think we fell into a trap back in the 80s and 90s of thinking 
of just believing that we could build as many golf courses as we want and, and people will come and fill them. And that just didn't happen. So as much as we have many, many clubs that are, that are, that are full, I still believe that there is capacity not only for, for a few more members, but, but certainly for people to go and play as green team members. Yeah. Are you expecting this bubble to burst or do you think that uh, the game is going to retain most of these new players? Uh, you know, I, I strongly believe that, that, that is, that's up to all of us. That includes yourself, it includes myself, it includes our clubs. Um, with regards to making sure that, that we can retain as many of these new new members or participants in the game by just making sure that we uh, we embrace them and we don't not only embrace them we don't take them for granted and we look to try to retain their participation and or membership really really important for all of us to do that yeah and uh, what did England golf learn from the pandemic then in terms of things that are going to continue going forward that's a really good question um, I, I suppose the first one is a really easy one and, and that is I think all golfers, whether they be in England, Great Britain, or anywhere in the world, um, I'm, I'm sure they'd agree with me. Those of us who, who play golf regularly have all um, learned not to take it for granted. You know, certainly in England, uh, after three lockdowns, that, that, that was a message that came across, across loud and clear, is don't take it for granted that we can get out and play golf. Secondly would be, obviously, to make sure that we continually uh, promote the health benefits of golf, because they, they really are prevalent whether that be from mental or physical um, benefits. You know, it, it really is that, that opportunity to get out in the fresh air, to take your mind off things. And I just don't think we talk about that enough. So I think it's essential that we continue to make sure that that's front and centre, that people of any age, as I say, any sex um, or any ethnicity can come and play our game. And very much in line with that is to make sure that our golf is as inclusive as it can be, as welcoming as it can be. Um, I think golf has a stereotypical uh, image from people who don't play the game, that it's this middle-aged white man sport. And, I, and golf is changing. And, and, and I, I honestly believe that there are more places than not that people would go and be, I think, be very pleasantly surprised at the, at the wonderful uh, welcome that they would receive. I next up think that golf clubs, as we spoke about, have really learned there are so many golf clubs that I think have settled for mediocrity with regards to perhaps their their value proposition of membership and all the way that perhaps that they had presented their golf course or their golf club. And it really has been wonderful to see so many golf clubs wake up and go, you know what, it's been fantastic to get these new members. We want to keep them, which means we can't settle for mediocrity. We're going to have to make sure we have the best possible golf course and we have the best possible value proposition for all members. And probably last and no means least would be for me, having spoken to many politicians throughout the last 15 months, would be to make sure that we continue to work hard on the image and perception of golf. Like I said, there is a stereotypical thought process of, for a lot of people who don't know the game, that golf is this, this stuffy old game that, that you have to wait until you're a certain age to go and play. But nothing could be further from the truth. But we all have to work really hard to make sure that we promote the game of golf for its inclusivity, for its diversity, for its equality, because we all have a responsibility to do that. So they would be my main learnings. Yeah, another thing as well might be uh, online tea booking systems and just the, the more acceptance of like card payments and, and stuff. I guess uh, I read that like COVID decelerated the uh, the high street or something by five years and and maybe it's done the complete opposite for golf in terms of technology. Yes, I, th I think once you start getting getting down into the detail of how golf clubs actually work, I really do think like 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 businesses. You know, it's not just golf clubs; it's business in general. Technology, how, uh, people's utilization of technology has increased 10, 20, 30 fold. You know, the, by the very nature of how we, how we use Zoom or Teams meetings now. Um, but certainly with regards to, um, to tea times bookings, with regards to utilisation of the course, because so many people want to get on the course, with regards to card payments, yeah, I think all of those are great learnings. And I'm sure, like any business, we're going to create uh, greater efficiencies as we move forward. 
Yeah, and what, what have you got to say about the um, the growth in the women's game? I think I read that 25% of all females that played last year were new to the game. That's an absolutely incredible stat. It's wonderful. It really is. But I think we need to be careful that we don't get carried away with that number. As I say, there were other sports that people couldn't do. Golf had an amazing um, insurgence of players, either even within that participation number. But we've got to be careful we don't sit on our laurels because really it's, you know, it's all well and good getting people to try the game. It's helping them to stick at the game, helping them to become part of that golfer journey that starts off in that leisure and recreational area, whether that be uh, pitch and putt, crazy golf, putting greens, um, adventure golf, driving ranges. They're all an incredible uh, place for people to taste our game. And, and, you know, we have figures from a participation perspective of circa 45% there anyway. With regards to that drops a little when they start to go out onto a golf course, it comes down to circa 28 to 30% of those golfers would be women, would be female. And it drops even more down to membership levels at 14%. So I think, yes, the numbers are wonderful. They're great. But we now have to work really hard with all of our promotions, with all of our initiatives to try to help those women, those girls, stay in the game. You know, to really show that they are welcomed. It's not this stuffy old man sport. It is a great game for the whole family to enjoy. Definitely. And I believe the, the average age of the golfer went down about five years as well. So with that stat about, about female golfers and, and the um, younger age, I guess the next five, ten years looks pretty good for, for golf in this country. Again, a great point, Elliot, is, is we have to make sure uh, as gatekeepers of the game that, that we make sure that we promote that golf is enjoyable and it's enjoyable for, for people of, of all ages, um, of both sexes, um, because it still pretty much is, is one of those only games where you can go out and about you going out on the course. If you have a handicap, you can play anybody. You could be a beginner in the game. If you have a handicap, you know, you're going to get a certain amount of shots. You could play a professional and you could match them with your net score. There are very few games that have that. And, uh, you know, I really do think that we just need to make, make sure that we continue to promote golf as a game for everybody of, of all ages. And, uh, and we haven't done a good enough job of that in the past. Brilliant. And um, not playing in the Senior Open this week? No, I... I one, I wouldn't have been able to. Oh, I would yeah. have had to But unfortunately, I, I've had some back problems. But uh, otherwise, I would have done. I would have tried to to, uh, to qualify because it's at my favourite course, Sunningdale. Yeah, amazing space. And um, yeah, thanks a lot for your time, Jeremy. Uh, congratulations on iGolf. Obviously, like you said, a lot of work went into it. And, and I hope it's a massive success. Thanks, Elliot. Really appreciate your time. So there was our very own Elliot Heath talking to England Golf CEO Jeremy Tomlinson. And I mean, I just love the whole thinking around the iGolf handicap system for non-members. I think it's a complete game changer. I think it's going to open the game up to so many different people. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, definitely agree. A world's, well, and country first, I guess, to have this. Uh, I know a lot of golfers will be taking it up. Um, 125,000 in the next five years, he said there, didn't he? So... Yeah, should be very popular, should make a lot of money for England Golf, who will then reinvest it back into the game. Um, so, yeah, re really exciting times. And I think that's the thing. I think so many golfers have wanted to have a handicap or have the opportunity to do something slightly different. You know, no, no one's ever asked for it to be completely free. Um, so, you know, you know, like the £40 a year um, payment is, I think, very good value um, because you get the all the all the data and everything that comes through the app, but also you get um, uh, insurance as well. And I think it's, I think it's very good value really. And it will open up the door to a lot of people to enjoy themselves, have the chance to go and enter competitions, which they never had the chance to do, go and sign up to play for play at St Andrews or something like that, or wherever um, ever else is uh, very keen to look at your handicap certificate. It's, um, I think it's really good. Yeah, good price as well, actually. You're right, because I did think initially that's a bit cheap when I heard it, but what's that, like three, just over three quid a month or four, four fifty US dollars or something. Um, but then if it's like double that, that's probably a subscription that people would 
quite fancy cancelling if they don't play golf after a few months, whereas £3 odd, uh, I don't think people will cancel that. And yeah, very reasonable, actually, you've got to say. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. And um, I think it's, it's very decent, very decent value. And uh, I'm really looking forward to going out and playing some actual golf, get the chance. I've got a few days off over August. So I'm hopefully going to try and get out there and uh, get that sorted. My brother's obviously is a member at a club, so I'm going to try and play a couple of rounds with him. And uh, and then you can all laugh at my handicap, but uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> with you, so it's all good. Right, so let's chat about the pro golf and just the four events that happened at the weekend. Busy old weeks straight after the Open. And let's start by looking at the women's game. Uh, Minji Lee still the first major title at the Everyone with a playoff victory over Jungfung Lee. Six after starting the day, seven behind the Korean. The Aussie birdies four of the last five holes to card 64 and then birdied the first extra hole. It's the 25-year-old's first major title. And um, it was a hell of a performance, wasn't it? Yeah, amazing. Obviously, Minji's been a fantastic player now for for years, you know, been one of the best in Australia for well since her amateur days, and yeah, fantastic that she's finally got over the line. I think she's a former world number two. She had won five times on the LPGA tour before this, so yeah, she's just a, a class player. I really did think Jung and Lee Six was going to win. I think she had a five shot lead on that final day, and um, just didn't happen for her unfortunately, and then thinned it into the water on the playoff hole. Whereas, yeah, Minji was just absolutely class and. Seeing her at the Aramco team series a couple of weeks ago, I mean, you really get an understanding of just how good she is, like just an absolute ball striker and uh, came up with the goods when she needed to. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering how long it was going to take before you mentioned that you were again playing in the Aramco team series. but um, I'll you... get it in every week. Oh, well, absolutely. I'm sure. It's like me saying I played Augusta. It happens every week, most weeks, doesn't it? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, Midgley is a class player, isn't she? She's just... She's just fantastic, and it shows that coming over and playing in the uh, in the team series and things like that, she's really got herself self ready, hasn't she, for the for the um, for the Evian. And of course, the women's opens not far away. That's only a couple of weeks as well, so it's it's really good. I think you know it shows again that the coming over and playing in that tournament that you, you obviously were involved in was a good thing for her. Yeah, since then actually, she did go back to the states to play in another team event. Uh, and then back to France. So it's just crazy the life of these professional golfers, like the amount of time they must spend in airports and on planes. But uh, yeah, a really cool stat was that obviously she is the older sister of Min Woolley, the um, recent Scottish Open champion. And he shot 64 in the final round and won in a playoff. And, and so did she. And, and they both also finished at 18 under par. So obviously a really special time for that family. And the parents must be very, very proud. Oh yeah, it's an amazing story, isn't it? And I've been watching quite a lot of the Olympics. I don't know if you saw the uh, the brother and sister who won the judo gold medal for Japan on the same day. You know, it's amazing when these things happen for siblings, isn't it? And as you say, the uh, families must be absolutely, well, they must not be able to believe it really when they have so much success in such a short period of time. But I think, it dry, you know, siblings are like that. They drive each other on, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that was the first one of our winners of the weekend. And then let's skip over to the PJ Tour, where Cameron Champ won his third PJ Tour title at the 3M Open. He shot a five under past 66 in the final round to beat oh, Louis Ushazen again and Charles Schwarzall by two. Champ is up to a career best 66. And I cannot believe that Ushazen finished second again in a PJ Tour event. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, to be honest with you, I thought it'd be absolutely knackered and would missed the cut by two or three or something but I mean fair play it just shows you how great he is hitting the ball right now and yeah I'm sure he needs a week or two off after just a crazy spell what was he like second second third in in the last three majors and then second again here he's just a human ATM at the moment isn't he I mean he's not winning the trophies that he probably wants to but he's going to be having a very nice time financially I mean he's up to eighth in the world now and he, he's he's done that with you know without winning a tournament uh, since 2018, and he's eighth in the world. I mean he he is so so consistent, isn't he? Um, last four events, he's finished second at the U.S. Open, 42nd at the BMW International, third at the Open, and second at the 3M Open. You know it's 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 absolutely crazy. He's finished second three times this year. It, I mean he of course wants to win and. 
but he's just playing so well, isn't he? he there's hardly anyone playing better than him, is there? No, uh, yeah, it's incredible that he's back in the world's top 10. That's like a massive achievement for him. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he clearly does lack something, doesn't he? At that highest level, for whatever reason, he just he doesn't get over the line as much as he should do. Like, I mean, I know he's won all over the world, loads of times in the European Tour, and I'm sure the Sunshine Tour, but to have Cameron Champ winning three times on the PGA Tour and, and Louis only winning once, which was that Open in 2010, um, that's a bit odd. And, uh, you know, you see that, like, Tony Finau has been one of the best players in the world for the last three, four years, and he hasn't been able to win as much. And obviously it's very, very difficult. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a shame because there's something that Louis clearly lacking because he's just such a fantastic golfer. Yeah, it's, also, I think it's sometimes down to a bit of luck, isn't it? You know, it's a case of the person that you're playing not suddenly playing out of their skin. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, I mean, yesterday, Cameron Champ played very, very well. You know, the week before, Colin Marikawa played very, very well. Uh, US Open, John Rahm was absolutely outstanding, wasn't it? And it just he just doesn't seem to be able to... It'd be nice if, some, if he just, it just... I think he must feel like, just leave me alone. Let me just... <laughs> let me just... Can you just... Ha- everyone just have an average day. No one play one of the best rounds of golf of the year. Because he just keeps... Seems to just keep running into that, doesn't he? So, um, it's... Uh, yeah, I feel a bit sorry for him. He's, uh, but not that sorry because he's playing brilliantly. He's obviously in a very good place mentally to be able to to switch continents and play so well back into the world's top ten. He hasn't been a bit in the world's top ten since twenty twelve. You know, almost you know nine nine years ago. So he's playing very very solid golf and um, well done to him. But, let, but let's talk about the winner. Uh, let's not just talk about the runner up, Cameron Champ. I mean, as you say. Third time he's now won on the PJ Tour. And he was having quite a tricky season this year. Um, I think nine missed cuts from 17 events. Also had a, a withdrawal as well. So um, just suddenly starts, things have started to click again in the last couple of weeks for him. And he's, he's got a win on it as well. Yeah, whereas Champ's the complete opposite. He's uh, very inconsistent. But he has what it takes to win golf tournaments just completely out of the blue. So um, yeah, he's still very young as well. I think he's probably not even 25 yet or 26 so um yeah famous for his ball striking obviously and how far he hits the ball i think i saw on twitter that he hit a three iron with more ball speed than the average on tour which is just out of this world so um yeah he's just a, a great athlete a modern day athlete and um yeah fair play to me he keeps getting the job done but i'm not surprised that he's 66 in the world because we just don't see him up there often enough which is, is very strange but i guess as he matures now, he's got plenty of money to take weeks off and practice and invest in his game and whatever. But um, yeah, maybe one day he'll be a world's top 10 player. But yeah, we just don't see him up there enough for me. Yeah, I think that is absolutely right. He he is obviously got an incredible game. And he he's one of those players who, if he gets everything in the right place for a week, he's very hard to keep up with because his scoring is so dangerous. I mean, he shot... 69, 67, 67, 66 is very, very consistent scoring, isn't it, over this week? And it just everything obviously just clicked for him. And yeah, no, well done to him. But you're right, he's at the moment he's not even a world's top fifty player, is he? Uh whereas Usay's is not one, well, <laughs> he's in the world's top ten, but he's just so, so super consistent. So keep an eye out on Cameron Champ. I think he's definitely one of those those guys who uh, we're going to be talking about for a lot long time because he's, he's he's so young and he's got obviously got incredible talent, hasn't he? Yeah, he's an absolute joy to watch. Um, one of the best swings in the game. When he hits the ball, like, 350 yards or whatever, he doesn't even look like he's trying to hit it hard as well. That's the thing. Like That's how good his technique is. So, um, yeah, look forward to watching him for the next decade or, or two decades. I think absolutely. So if we move to our next event, which was over in Wales for the Kazoo Open, and Spain's Nacho Vera defeated Justin Harding in a playoff to win his maiden European Tour title at the Kazoo Open. Alvira lost lost a six-stroke lead in the final round and then missed from three foot on the 18th to seal the title. But then he did go on to birdie the 18th at Celtic Manor in extra time for the victory. And it was slightly painful to watch this, but he got it done in the end, didn't he? Yeah, uh, an absolute bonkers final round. Uh, yeah, I think he bogeyed 
two holes in the first four or five or something and he looked a little bit shaky and um, obviously Justin Hardin played really well because I think Hardin shot six under, Elvira shot one under, uh, sorry, level par with uh, five birdies and five bogeys. So it's just all over the place. Um, and then missed that absolute tiddler on the last and you just thought, oh God, he's completely handed it away. And uh, he did say after that he was very nervous and uh, a brilliant birdie. I'm not sure yeah, I'm not sure he needed to say that, did he? He was quite clear he was nervous because he could hardly stand up, let alone hit a ball. And uh, I think it's great that he managed to compose himself. Um, you know, he, he's he's had a strange career on on the. Uh, you know, he, he he won three times on the Challenger Tour in 2015, and really kind of got in the world's top 200. And he was starting to challenge a bit. Uh, had a couple, uh, you know, had six top tens in 2016. You know, was playing very well. And then he's dropped away completely away. He was um, he was 687th before the tournament last week. Um, hadn't had a top 10 this year, had missed 10 cuts out of 16, you know, no form at all. And then suddenly he manages to put you know, put together just a, a great week of golf. And it just happens like that sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, he's uh, he seems like a top guy as well. Heard him a lot chatting Spanish with his caddy. So I, I didn't know if he actually spoke English or not. But afterwards, yeah, his English was absolutely perfect and um, seems like quite a funny guy. And um, yeah, uh, he also dedicated his win to Celia Barkin as well, which is, was lovely. Obviously, she's the um, Spanish collegiate golfer that was uh, killed a few years ago. I think she won the Ladies European Amateur. Um, so obviously, um, yeah, very, very nice for him to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, no, well done to him. So um, our last event that we're going to look at is the Senior Open. Um, Stephen Dodd birdied the last hole at Sunningdale to win the Senior Open by one stroke from Miguel Angel Jimenez. Darren Clark was one stroke further back in third with Bernard Langer in fourth. And well, Elliot, did you watch any of this? Sunningdale looked absolutely uh, splendid. Yeah, I saw bits and pieces, but I didn't see enough, unfortunately. I actually played golf at Sunningdale Heath on Friday, so we could uh, like see it through the trees at points. And um, spoke to Christian, the pro at Sunningdale Heath, and he said, like, it's looking out of this world good. And we played it a couple of months ago, actually, and, and we spoke to the greenkeepers. He said um, the course is in fantastic shape after the lockdowns and uh, I guess the lack of traffic. And um, yeah, it's just one of the best golf courses in the world isn't it everybody loves it it's beautiful and um yeah really good tournament by the looks of it i've seen the highlights um stephen dodd made a fantastic birdie at the last i would have liked to see darren clark win to to match it up to his real claret jug but um yeah good to see some some really big names up there yeah well dan clark i thought played superbly drove the ball really well um and he, uh, you know I, I love the senior open you know stephen dodd won but um you know, it played really well, but you know, him like having Jimenez, Clark, and Langer up there is brilliant to watch. These guys kind of uh, you don't see it very often, you know, you don't get the chance to see it that often. So, um, I thought it was really good. And, and Langer came out in the week before and spoke in the press conference saying it's a real shame that uh, you know, the Sunnydale is not really a course that they can host a, a big European tour event or major on because it's just not long enough. Um, and he again came out saying that, you know, maybe it's time to look at equipment maybe or or whatever it is, um, because some of these courses are, are coming a, a bit obsolete. Um, obviously, it could host a senior open and it, and it, and it did a great job. But, it, you know, it is a shame. Do you think he had a point? Um, yeah, although it's been like that for years now, hasn't it? I would imagine. Uh, they've been going to courses a lot longer than Sunningdale for the last 20 years. So, um, yeah, it's a shame because, yeah, it's, for me, it's the best golf course in the country. I mean, I haven't played Birkdale or, or Royal St George's, but as, you know, a, an inland Parkland, Heathland golf fan, there's just absolutely nothing better than Sunningdale. So, you know, it's great that the members can enjoy it and uh, the passionate golfers can go and have a day at Sunningdale. But, um yeah, it's, it's a different game for the, the world's best men's pros. I mean, I'd love to see the women play around that, play the uh, the women's open there. I think that'd be a fantastic venue. And then we do get to see the seniors, which is also great. So uh, I'm not too bothered, to be honest. No, well, that's, that's fair enough. It's fair enough. But uh, I think it's something to always con contend with. And it is just, a, it was great to see. I th it looked brilliant on TV. I thought it looked absolutely superb. And um, yeah, it was great to see. So um, we're going to move on now. and. Um, 
firstly, before we move on and chat about this week's events, we need to talk about our sponsors, Titleist. Not only was it the most played golf ball at the 3M Open, the number one brand in golf also topped the equipment counts in the driver, hybrid, utility iron, iron and wedge categories. Elsewhere, there was major success for Stephen Dodd at the Senior Open Championship, rolling his Pro V1 golf ball in from 10 feet for birdie on the 72nd hole to secure a one-stroke victory at Sunningdale, while Titleist brand ambassador Justin Harding had a narrow miss at the Kazoo Open, losing out in a playoff as Titleist topped the golf ball, driver, iron and wedge counts in Wales. To find out more about Titleist's range of equipment and to locate your nearest fitting event, head to titleist.co.uk. So we're now going to look ahead to this week and there's a very big sporting event going on at the moment called the Olympics. Uh, have you been watching any of the Olympics? Uh, I have, yes. Yeah, I love the Olympics. To be honest with you, I absolutely love watching the swimming. I don't know why. Maybe because it, it takes it takes me back to my youth, but... Um, I'd say swimming is definitely my favourite one to watch. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the uh, sort of semis and finals there. Um, all the strokes as well, I just think it's great. I love the relay as well. I think that's one of the best. And uh, I love watching the random sports at the Olympics. So I've watched a bit of the skateboarding as well, which um, wasn't quite Tony Hawk level from what I remember. But uh, yeah, no, it's great, isn't it? Oh, I absolutely love the Olympics. And uh, I'm the same. I love watching random stuff. Love the triathlon. Oh, yeah. I watched the triathlon last night. And uh, yeah, quite into the taekwondo. Not that I'm sure. I don't think I'd be very good at taekwondo. To be fair, I'm not the most flexible person in the world. So uh, um, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, brilliant, and I love it that golf is there. It's going to be great, isn't it? Um, we've got our the men's 72 old tournament starting on Thursday, and the week after we've got the women's starting on Wednesday. But there's been big news this week, and unfortunately, it's COVID related. So we've lost two massive players from the event because they both tested positive. John Rahm, world number one, and Bryson DeChambeau as well will not be there because they both tested positive. I, I could not believe that when I heard it. I know, yeah. Devastating, wasn't it? Um, I mean, yeah, the golf has had lots of devastations in the last year. We've, we've had Tiger Woods not qualifying and uh, obviously being injured because uh, he was very, very keen on playing last year when he was healthy. Um, the fans as well, no fans, I think it is a massive shame. And, and obviously these two withdrawals are a massive shame as well. The world number one's not going to be there, which for the casual fans or the, the people that are watching golf for the first time, uh, it's a big shame that they don't get to see John Rahm, the best player. And um, yeah, DeChambeau, one of the more colourful figures as well, who uh, is uh, equally a big name. So yeah, really big shame. But, you know, thankfully Hideki's there and thankfully Rory's there and Still some, some really good names, so it's still set to be a great tournament. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be... We've still got those big names, but it, I can't, like losing the world number one and world number six to COVID just a week before, it's, 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 it's just bonkers, isn't it? And we're, let's hope the rest of the field are, are fine. Um, I think, first, we need to talk about Patrick Reed, who's been quite literally flown in to replace Bryson in the field. Uh, and he's not going to be able to get there until Wednesday evening, and they start Thursday morning. So... Um, Captain America's really going for it, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some great quotes. He was like, I will represent my country anytime, any place, any time zone. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good that he's going to be there because he's Captain America, like you said. He's you know, so patriotic, amazing in the Ryder Cup, loves his nation. So, um, I'm sure he'd be loving to, to win a gold medal. He was there last time in Rio as well, I believe. Um, and yeah, he's going to be pretty tired because. Played the 3M Open, went back to Texas. Then he's headed to San Francisco. Then he's headed to Tokyo, um, not getting a practice round. And, and hopefully, for his sake, he has quite a late tee off on, on Thursday. Well, I think he'll um, he'll probably travel over. You won't be um, travelling over in cattle class, will he? I think he'll be. The journey will be fine for him. Um, it's just you know, the different time zones, and it's obviously. I don't know if you've seen. He's been very high over there as well, so um, he's going to have to deal with this. I bet he plays really well. And do you know what, for, you know, Patrick Reed, he's not always the most, you know, not everyone's favourite golfer. And he's wound up a few people for some for a couple of things. But he really puts in some effort, doesn't he, to represent his country. He's he's also represented all the other tours around. You know, he's, he's been over to the European Tour a lot, where a lot of other American golfers haven't. And I think you've got to applaud him for that, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He's an honorary life member of the European Tour, of course, after... 
his 2018 Masters victory. And um, yeah, he's uh, a world player. And you got to love that. Brighton's a world player as well, actually. He said that before, that he, he really wants to travel the world. Uh, I remember he won the Dubai Desert Classic. So um, they're in that same ilk. Whereas, you know, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, they all passed up on the chance. And you have to applaud the players in that world's top 10 with millions and millions and millions that, uh, you know, are putting sport ahead of money. Yeah, absolutely. I think Bryson's going to be absolutely gutted that he's missing out. I think he was really up for it. So, uh... Um, that's, a, that's a real shame for him. Hopefully, he can, he'll, he'll be around uh, in three years' time. He'll still be in decent form and uh, get on the team. Although it's very tricky to get on that American team, as we know. Um, so, um, what do we know about the Olympics so far? We've got four. You know, if we look at the odds, you've got a lot of Americans still at the top of the odds. Morikawa is there. He's favourite seven to one. Xander Schauffele eight to one. Justin Thomas ten to one. What do we know about things at the moment? You know, what do we know about the course? Is there anything that we uh, that we've got some inside info on? Uh, yeah, it's a great course. Kasuma Kusegi Golf Club, um, founded in 1929. They're playing the East course, I think, which was done up by Tom Fazio and, and his son Logan in 2016. And obviously they're very, very serious golf architects. They're the same, well, Tom Fazio is the same guy that did Adair Manor, which is hosting the, uh, the Ryder Cup in a few years. So proper golf course, very long, seven and a half thousand yards, I think, past 71. So. Uh, it's going to be pretty difficult and um yeah one of the best courses in japan so really excited to see that it's hosted the world cup of golf before uh, it's where hideki matsuyama won the asian amateur the, the year before he won the silver cup at uh, the masters in 2011 so um, obviously hideki is the home favorite i'm surprised he's not the tournament favorite or the second favorite but um yeah he's certainly got a bit of an advantage there yeah i mean hideki's been through a bit the last couple of weeks as well he obviously did catch covid and miss the open but it's a big big event for him it's a big big event for japan obviously a lot of golfers in japan very popular sport they've got the masters champion you know and um the crap well the crowds would have been great wouldn't they I, I, i'm hoping that there might be a few people there because having seen a few events there does seem to be a, a few people hanging around whether that's teammates or officials or whatever it is but there is a little bit of atmosphere around the place so hopefully there can be a few bits of cheering because uh, i think it helps a lot doesn't it so um so Matt, you reckon matt has got a big chance then yeah yeah definitely um i think he's the kind of guy that can play up to the pressure i remember at the zozo championship when tiger woods won hideki was second and he played fantastic that week in front of packed galleries and um i think that was the first pga tour event in japan maybe in like 50 years or I don't know how long it was, but um, he was under immense pressure that week and he performed after, um, I think, quite a stretch of bad form. So, yeah, I think he could definitely go all the way this week. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we've obviously got Rory there. Rory's there um, playing for Team uh, Ireland. Um, and he's a big, big, he's obviously the kind of the biggest name there now. Uh, he's such a popular character. And um, although he didn't sound so... You know, that excited when he was interviewed about it a couple, uh, a week or so ago. I reckon while, when, when you actually get there and you're you're actually in the event, it's going to be different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is the guy that said that the Ryder Cup's a exhibition, didn't he? So, um, yeah, he said he's not patriotic, and I get that, obviously. He doesn't know whether it's GB or, or Ireland who should represent, and he's gone with Ireland. Um because that's who he's played for all his life. So completely understandable. Uh, I guess he's American now, so he's going to have an American child. But he's representing the game of golf, and you've got to respect him for going. Uh, it doesn't really sound like you know, he was that excited about going. But, yeah, hopefully he can change his mind like he did on the Ryder Cup and get there and you know see how big this is on the world stage and, and try and win a gold medal and turn his form around, because his form has been very poor lately. And... Maybe this is something that could kick him into gear. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and him playing for Ireland does mean that the the likes of Paul Casey and Tommy Fleetwood are both going to be able to play for uh, Team GB. Yeah, that's yeah, that's correct. And um, yeah, I remember actually we I was in like a press huddle around with Paul Casey at the uh, 2019 BMW PGA Championship, and he was basically saying at the time there he would do everything what it takes to get to the olympics he's like i'll play new events i'll skip events and so i was really pleased to see him make the team and um he's a fantastic form at the moment isn't he so 
very, very good chance of Paul Casey winning a medal, which would maybe be his career highlight, you'd have to say. Well, I think it would be at the moment. And uh, of course, uh, TGB are the, the reigning gold uh, medal holders of uh, of the men's event anyway. Justin Rose, of course, winning back at Rio in 2016. No Justin Rose this time. Um, so, you know, Casey's got a chance. He's in very good form. Fleet would not been in, been in the best form, has he? Um, I'm looking at his odds. He's 28 to 1, which I think is quite quite long for what is obviously quite a small field. I think there's only 60 players or so. So, um, uh, Fleetwood's can't be counted out, can he? No, definitely not. Yeah, you look at Nacho Elvira, for example, just goes and has the week of his life. I mean, any of these players are capable, albeit the field is probably only 45, 40 players deep in terms of, you know, what Brooks Kepka might say, you know, I've only got 40 players to beat because there's a lot of those that will be at the bottom end of the leaderboard, guaranteed, you would imagine. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a small field. Fleetwood's one of the best in the world. Um, you, you don't know what's going to happen, do you? They're playing for an Olympic medal, which most of these guys have never done before in their lives. So um, it could really spark a bit of form, a bit of motivation, a bit of confidence, hole apart here or there. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really exciting and very close to call, I think. Well, it could also lead to a lot of nerves, couldn't it, as well? So uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, so uh, our tipster, Jeremy Chapman, has done some uh, some tips for the Olympic Games. So do check them out there on the Golf Monthly website at the moment. So go to golfmonthly.com and check out the article or check us out on social media, of course, uh, at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. Um, but is there anyone else that shines out for you? Um, I'm really like an Abraham answer at the moment. After I heard, I think... Ernie Els say that he could be world number one at the President's Cup. Can't remember who said that on commentary, but um, and then you think about it, actually, he is class. He's in the world's top 20. He's still pretty inexperienced in terms of years out on tour. Um, I think Ernie said he's got got the best short game in the world, or certainly one of them. So it'd be great if he could win a, a gold medal for Mexico. He's been in pretty good form this year and somebody who I really enjoy watching. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to pick someone out, someone who's very, very good in Asia. And that is Jazz J, because I can't say his surname. Um, I know you can. He is very long odds. He's as long as 200 to 1, which I think is very, very long for someone who is, has had so much success in Asia. Yeah, I think he, of course, won the uh, Asian Tour Order of Merit a couple of years ago. I think he's won the Japan Golf Tour as well. So I would imagine that those events are in Japan. So, um, yeah, a very good player. Um, he's done a little bit over in the States and Europe recently, hasn't he? Whereas before, uh, I kept tipping him and he kept missing the cut. So, um, yeah, he's a fantastic player. Very young as well. And um, certainly somebody that is part of that golden generation of Thai golfers. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he, he's going to be maybe able to deal with the conditions a bit more. We, we've seen it's been very... Well, the, it actually looks like it's very bad. Uh, I think there might be a big uh, typhoon or storm coming in uh, in the next day or so. But it's been very, very hot over there uh, and uh, very, very humid as well, which, uh, you know, that, I mean, it will affect golfers, you know, especially over four days. It could be, it could, it's, you know, it's a lot of energy sapping out there, isn't it? So if you're not used to that, um, it could really have an effect. And I think it's obviously something that he, he will be used to. Whether that's a good punter uh, for me or not, I don't have, I don't have a clue. But uh, it, it's someone that picked uh, this, that I spotted that caught my eye, especially as you know, as that field is, is you know is quite a small one. So uh, as ever, do check out the Golf Monthly website for all the latest from the Olympics and and everything else that's going on. There is another event this week, the RSPS Handa World Invitational as well. It was uh, last year's Irish Open venue, Galgon Castle, is going to um, to host it. And it's a special event, isn't it? Because there's a men's event and a women's event happening at the same time. So there'll be two winners from that. Run by Nar Horan's management group, Modest Golf, as well. Um, and, and there's a decent purse there, isn't there? So uh, it should be a, a, another good tournament to watch whilst the uh, whilst Olympics isn't on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a nice sort of regular purse for the European Tour. And this is a huge purse for the, the ladies' European Tour. It'll probably be the largest of the season, I would imagine, outside of the majors. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, excited by the strength of the field. Atoya Titical, who's just in 
fantastic form headlines that again like jazz one of thailand's golden generation um so many good thai players at the moment and um she's certainly one of them and then jungan lee six who was five clear at the evian is also playing so uh georgia hall charlie hall jennifer cook show all sorts of great big names there so yeah yeah very very exciting week ahead yeah, no, it's, it's, it should be a really decent event. So, uh, yeah, do check it out if you've got a chance. Maybe you want a break from the Olympics and you want to watch some other golf. Uh, there's absolutely there. Uh, that will be uh, available to watch. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. So, first, uh, well, it's an Olympic round of golf. First one in five years. Timings aren't great for us over in the UK to watch. Are you can try and watch a bit of it? Yeah, definitely. Um, what is the time zone over there? Is it eight hours difference from us? It's something like that. I think they'd be getting off around midnight-ish, maybe a little bit later. And then I think we get a chance to maybe see the end of it early morning, uh, around 7, 8-ish, I think. I think that's right. Do check TV times, of course, to find out how to watch it. But uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It should be really interesting uh, a few days. And, uh, yeah, look, obviously cheering on Team GB, but uh, actually, as we said, we've got back here. So, join us next week. Uh, we'll, we'll have a recap on uh, what happened at the Olympics and also look ahead to the women's event, which starts a week on Wednesday, uh, which is also a very strong thing. So, uh, looking forward to that. Elliot, hopefully, you don't play too well tomorrow if you're not in my team. Yep, exactly the same to you, Tom. I hope, hope you play rubbish if you're not on my team. <laughs> Indeed. I've left a bit of team spirit. Cool. And I'll speak to you again next week. So thank you all for listening and we will both speak to you next week.